I'm Jason Thomas. Welcome to the Hardway MBA, where we empower ambitious corporate professionals. That's you, right? With real-world business knowledge. We interview business leaders who are gracious enough to share their strategic insights and tactical activities to improve your business and career. If you enjoy these interviews, please spread the word because nothing says thank you as well as a referral to your friends and colleagues. Now let's dive in. Welcome, folks. Jason Thomas with the Hardway MBA. I have an exciting guest to introduce you to today. Before we dive into that, quickly, if you're on Snapchat, jump over to jasonr.thomas. That's my Snapchat handle. If you're not on Snapchat because you're old like me, you should probably check it out because your kids will be there, and 10 years from now, you'll be there too. So you might as well get a head start. So enough with Snapchat. Uh, guest today is Dustin McKesson. Dustin and I uh, got together a couple weeks ago. I was really impressed with some of the things he's doing with LinkedIn and being a big LinkedIn user myself. Asked him to come on and talk to us a bit about uh, about that. Dustin, thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me, Jason. And uh, yeah, I appreciate the opportunity to talk to your listeners. Yeah. yeah. Can you introduce yourself in a, to the group here in a sentence or two? Kind of give us a little back background on what you do, who you are? Sure. Uh, my name is Dustin McKisson, and I own a small uh, management consulting strategy and marketing firm called McKisson & Company. Uh, I started that company um, after I had some of the experiences on LinkedIn we'll talk about here, and, and because of those, had the opportunity to kind of start doing my own thing. So we work with a variety of organizations, big and small, doing a variety of big and small things. So it's pretty fun, uh, pretty, pretty exciting and interesting work. I am a writer on LinkedIn, which is not a, a paid role with LinkedIn, but I do write frequently there. Um, since I started writing, I've had uh, I've grown over 20,000 followers and almost 2 million views of my blogs on that platform. And I'm also a columnist. As of this January, I've been a columnist on Inc.com. And that, uh, you know, I love Inc. I, I love that magazine. I used to get it uh, in paper form. And that logo is the logo that really caught my attention and drew me into uh, to giving you a call and, and trying to get together with you. So give us an idea as a as you've been using LinkedIn and I, give us an idea of the like the the most salient point on LinkedIn for most professionals. I mean, I've kind of outlined a couple that I think we should talk about. Um, but you sure. probably have, you, you may have a few tucked in your back pocket that I didn't even think to ask you about. Sure. Um, I mean, I, you know, I would start with the way you think about LinkedIn or the way someone thinks about LinkedIn. Um, you know, I know the way I thought about LinkedIn for most of the time I've been on there until about a couple of years ago when I started to use the blogging feature they had was definitely more of a passive sort of thing. Like if I had a really a great profile or a really, you know, just a really sterling sort of as sterling as I could reasonably have, you know, profile that um, opportunities would come my way. Recruiters would find me, um, you know, that that was really the purpose of it. That was all it took was just having that real solid profile and people would find you. Uh, that is that that can happen, you know, um, but the, in order for that to happen, they have to sort of know that they're looking for you to begin with. Uh, so what I would say is 
that, you know, however you're using LinkedIn, I mean, really think of it as something to be actively engaged on, to be creating, you know, content or creating dialogue or creating opportunities to connect, reaching out to people, you know, really much more of an active user if you want to see the full benefit that you can get from LinkedIn. Yeah. Yeah. So you mentioned at the beginning of that a good profile. To me, the profile is like table stakes on LinkedIn. If your profile isn't isn't worth a damn, then what are you doing there? Um, when you think about a LinkedIn profile, what's what's important there? And then I, I really do want to start to unpack some of the things about active versus passive, and uh, hear some of your story about what you what helped you have that realization. But let's start with the profile. Cause I know everyone's everyone listening says, Oh, I have a LinkedIn profile or they're realizing, Oh gosh, I just graduated from college. I got to make a LinkedIn profile. Yeah. I mean, you know, you want to start with the basics and, and uh, make sure you have a photo. I, I don't remember the statistic, but the views um, on having a photo versus not having a photo, it's, it's tremendously different and make sure it's a professional photo. Don't have to be a selfie you took uh, on your iPhone or that sort of thing. Uh, make sure it's a, it's a good, and, and you know, professional is different for different things. I mean, some, some, um, you know, some professions, professional means a headshot with a suit and tie. Some professions, it means, you know, at your desk, at your startup in, in whatever's appropriate for that. But I, I think even with the different definitions of professional, we all know that, um, that you know, something like a selfie is, is really not the way to go, regardless of how you're dressed. You know, it's, it's just make sure you have a good photo, you know, starting at the top, uh, yeah. a nice solid professional photo, make sure your position descriptions are complete, you know, and, 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 and don't treat them like a chance to recite every single duty you had at a job, use them as a, as a chance under that description of that position to really capture, you know, um, what you accomplished there, you know, why your work matters, that type of thing. It's more of a narrative rather than a list, uh, do that. Um, you know, ask people for recommendations and that usually involves giving recommendations before you ask. So those references can be, you know, pretty powerful. Um, just making sure really it's complete and, and really if someone was looking at you for a job or someone was looking at you, um, as a, you know, potential client or partnership or whatever the context of the professional relationship, they can go to your LinkedIn profile and get a pretty good idea of who you are, what you're about, and you know what you're capable of accomplishing. Yeah, that makes sense. So the the con order of content areas I've noticed on LinkedIn that you can you can kind of reorder the way those content areas lay out. So uh, your education, your work history, your recommendations. It looks to me as I look at your profile that you have shuffled those that order. Um, or laid it out a little bit differently than at, at least mine is and most that I see. What What's going on there? Uh, I would have to look back at it and see. It, it might have been a specific thought process that I had. What I would say is that there is some – There's. it depends on um, what's your strongest uh, – What's your strongest uh, qualification at, at, the, at the point in time that you're at? So if you're a recent college graduate or a recent, you recently got your MBA or you recently, you know, where you're the strength of your application is really 
stems a lot from your education. Um, order your education first. If it's if you're a bit more of a, an experienced professional, you're going to want to go with your professional experience first. I don't think that there's a really, really, you know, hard and fast, this way's wrong and that way's right. It just depends on what you want to highlight and, um, you know, what's the first thing that's going, people are going to say about you, you know, put yourself in the shoes of um, an interviewer. And if you're at a point in time in your career or in your, in your professional life where after that person interviews you, the first thing they're going to say is, Yes, we should hire Jason. He has an MBA from X or yes, we should hire Jason. He's he's a he's a you know, he recently got his law degree or recently got his bachelor's. Then lead with that. If it's we should hire Jason, he's had 20 years of experience here. Really lead with your experience. I, I think mine might be um, the actual the opposite of the advice I'm given. If I if I think about my profile in my head, um, but I haven't really thought of it in those terms ever since I started writing. But I do think, you know, whatever is the strongest part of your um, your professional presence at the moment, you know, try and lead with that. And, and make sure, though, that that's, you know, again, that both your education and your experience and whatever else you're putting on there is, is complete. And, um, you know, make sure check it for errors. I've seen people who, you know, I'm sure inadvertently have a degree listed twice or something like that. Just make sure it's clean like that. Right, right, right. The basic, right. basic stuff goes stuff. a long way. Yep. So you've talked a couple of times about uh, authoring and the kind of the blogging platform on LinkedIn, which I believe today is called Pulse. I think when they brought it out, it had a – I don't remember what it was called, but today it's Pulse. Um, your your activity there has really been centered on that blogging platform. Can you share the with the audience a story of kind of what got you started there and, and how that took off for you. I think there's some, there's some things they can glean from just that story. And then we'll circle back and kind of, uh, I'll ask you some more specific questions about how to do that, what to do there. Sure. Sure. Um, so I had originally in my, when I first uh, went to school uh, a while back, I uh, wanted to be a writer. Um, I ultimately decided to go a different way with my career path and writing was always a component of it. It was always sort of the thing I enjoyed most. And so a couple of years ago, though, my wife had always encouraged me to start a blog. And I wasn't really interested in that in part for a big reason that I knew I wasn't an expert in it. But I knew that there's a difference between creating good content and getting people to read that content and getting people to read that content. It's a lot of work. And um, and I wasn't really up for that. But a couple of years ago, about a I guess about a year and a half ago, a little bit more than that, I had decided for some personal reasons that I wanted to give it a try again. And I actually um, went to LinkedIn uh, just because I seen other people using LinkedIn. A couple of people I knew had had been some of the early adopters of the Pulse platform. And so I wrote one post. I wrote my first post uh, in July of 2014, and it was about the second employee in a startup and kind of a phenomenon I'd seen in my career. What, what happens to that employee's kind of life cycle in, in an organization that got um, 900 views. So it was, a, it was exciting, um, you know, to see something you'd written, people reading it, getting a little bit of feedback. And then I decided to, you know, keep it up a little bit and um, wrote another article, maybe four or five days later, actually on getting your MBA. It was, um, it was, 
kind of written for an audience of people. You know, what I have read on LinkedIn and just about every business publication was that if you don't get your MBA at two or three schools, you're wasting your time. Uh, you know, I knew when I got my, my degree, that wasn't the case. I didn't get it from, uh, you know, one of those two or three schools. You know, I don't, I'm not a Harvard or Stanford grad for sure. And most people that I know aren't. And so I wrote an article about that kind of, that there are people who are really, you know, they learn in their education, but for career reasons, career advancement reasons, it's, it's a little bit more about checking the box and getting the qualification and then moving on in their career path. And in those certain, that's, if you're in those circumstances, it doesn't make sense to incur a hundred or $200,000 in debt for an MBA. So there's an, there's an audience that was being underserved by some of the content. Anyway, I wrote a post about that and that post ended up getting 22,000 views and going viral. And, uh, cause it was actually more interesting than I just described it as, but, uh, it, uh, it, it, um, you know, a lot of people connected with it and it ended up going viral and really I instantly saw my network grow. It was really cool experience, both professionally, personally, the experience. I mean, it really is like a little, little mini snapshot of, you know, your 15 minutes of fame when people are spreading something you read and you're getting all these new connection requests and, 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 you know, making some new friends and that type of thing. So I kept that up. Um, I've now written 185 posts somewhere around there for LinkedIn. Um, I, what had happened with that post, with that MBA post, is it, it went into an algorithm that LinkedIn has that features different articles on the Pulse platform. Um, after that, based on that piece of content, I've been then manually featured on Pulse by one of the editors or by some of the editors on LinkedIn, meaning even in even with a platform that at that time had 30,000 posts per week and now has 160,000 posts, there's still editors who are looking at some of the posts and manually placing them on, uh, featuring them on the Pulse platform kind of high up on the list. So that kept happening for me. Um, probably, I don't know, four or five months into it, I wrote a post that got five, almost 500,000 views. Uh, it was in that post, which was written about uh, my dad's struggle with unemployment, that it actually became a business development tool for me. I had someone read that post who his father had experienced some of the same things. And so he reached out to me and we started, you know, basically just talking, exchanging emails. And he was uh, the chairperson of a trade association um, in the IT space and they needed uh, marketing done for their first trade show. He asked me if I would be interested in doing it as a consultant. I was interested in doing it as a consultant. And so that was, it was funny to see this piece of content that had nothing to do with what we ultimately worked on together, be the thing that connected us. Um, and so that experience kind of happened a few more times. And then I got a little better at identifying, you know, based on the people that were interacting with my writing, who may be someone that I could work with that could become a client. Um, First, it was a side business. It grew in then to my main business, and I've been able to leverage it into enough to, to you know, take a stab at this. So um, that was kind of my journey on on Pulse. Uh, I still do it. I still, you know, the, I still enjoy writing. My network has grown tremendously. I've really gotten to meet some really, really great people. That's a big part of the benefit is just uh, meeting really good people all across the world, really. Yeah, I, and it sounds to me like there's a bit of a snowball effect, like that network effect you experience with your uh, 
a, a couple of those posts, same thing starts to happen with the career, with the connections, with, you know, if you get that snowball rolling downhill, good things happen. Yeah. Um, so when you think about writing a post for, uh, you know, be published on Pulse now, you said you mentioned having learned a couple of things that uh, that kind of help you there. I, you know, frankly, I don't think most people are going to go write a post for Pulse. I think most people are going to think this is a great idea, but they're not going to actually do it because writing isn't easy and not all of us are blessed with the gift of doing it and uh, or the discipline to do it often enough to be any good. So uh, we may be speaking to a very small segment of, of the audience here, but what kind of things have you learned that that help you now get a little bit more attention or helped you go from this is kind of random attention? to there's a system and a systematic way that you know you can get a little bit more attention yeah um well i would say that you know i I am probably a little bit different than the average person i know who's written on pulse in that i wanted to be a writer and actually had some formal training in writing but there are a lot of people i know who've also built a platform i would say you know there's probably there's probably I don't know, 10 people who have built a, without the aid of already being famous, who weren't, you know, Barack Obama, Jeb Bush, or Bill Gates going into it. So, you know, there's about 10 of us who are just like the rest of us who have, who have you know, built a similar size platform. And, and of those 10 people that I know, only two had any inclination, desire, or, or formal training in writing. The rest of them were just regular people who, um, had different things that they had um, some expertise in, the different things that they were interested in, and and, and started writing about those. Um, so while I agree that most people won't do it, don't don't, don't think that a you have to be uh, you know Ernest Hemingway on this platform. No one is. So um, and and the the other thing I would say is that um, you know if you are interested in writing. The very first most important step in doing that is um, is write about things you care about. Right. The the only um, a lot of people uh, can produce really well-written, grammatically correct things that no one reads because there's no there's no fire in it. There's no compelling. There's nothing compelling about it. If you're trying to if you're sitting there thinking, what would uh, what would. um, what would, you know, people that I want to talk to be interested in hearing about? You will never write anything interesting. The only audience you'll ever know is is yourself, really. And so, you know, if there's something you care about enough to write about it, and, and given that it's LinkedIn, I would say that it needs some tie to, you know, we're talking about a professional topic, a career-related topic, you know, something that has some tie. I don't think it's a platform to express uh, things outside of that, I, you know, and, and LinkedIn's not going to kind of push your piece out there if you do it. So, um, so that would be the thing I, I, I would say real quickly on the writing is, is don't assume you can't do it. And, uh, you know, start if you, if you want to take a stab at it, start talking about the things that you care about that impact you and something that's on there that's, that has some, um, that has some fire in it, kind of a fire in the belly to it. Is going to get a bigger audience than a well, really well-written piece by maybe a professional writer that is just kind of cold. It just kind of it doesn't have that element to it. So that would be my advice there. The, the other thing I would say though is that, um, you know, what what really turned it from from being just writing into a valuable 
business tool for me. There's a component of that that anyone could do. And that's that I started looking and seeing who was engaging with me, who was who was liking or commenting or sharing. And then I would go to that person's profile and see what they're involved with and, um, you know, what they were doing and if there's any way I could help them in that. And I'll give a concrete example. Um, a a gentleman who was the executive director of a top 15 business school had, had commented and um, shared a couple of my articles on education. And so I reached out to, I went to his profile, saw that he had also taken a stab at writing a couple of posts. And I sent him just some tips and advice on, you know, things that had worked for me. Um, through that type of interaction, that became a dialogue, which eventually uh, resulted in them becoming a client. That that interaction has actually happened several times and, and with some very, you know, a couple of my clients or potential clients right now who are very well known, um, a couple of them well known to everybody, a couple of them, you know, industry leaders in their particular sector. And so I'd say, I, I think there's a way to do that. You know, when you see people looking at your profile, um, when you see people interacting with, uh, and again, I would say that if you just created a profile and leave it there to sit, you'll have very limited opportunities to do this. If you, on the other hand, become an active user, and that may not mean writing, you know, the type of stuff I've talked about, but let's say you come across something in your industry and share that on LinkedIn. You know, if there's something that impacts your profession, your industry, your sector, go ahead and share that, you know, link on LinkedIn and, and make a comment about it. And then, you know, when people start interacting with you, look them up and, and see if there's any way you can help them, anything you can do for them. And, you know, use that as a basis to start building a dialogue. And that type of interaction is really, you know, what's gotten me some of my best clients and some of my best, not even the people that aren't clients, some of my best relationships. It's just that type of interaction. So from a uh, compare and contrast kind of a different use case than the than writing on Pulse, if I'm, I don't know, I'm me. Let me not stretch this too far. You know, I'm me. I'm in business development. I work for a, a system integrator and application development firm. And, you know, I post things fairly regularly to LinkedIn that I see, you know, nice articles from the industry. And I and I kind of look back and see certain people are interacting with that post or they're interacting with my profile. Then going and browsing their profile and reaching out to them very proactively saying, you know, hey, I noticed you were on my profile checking something out, um, was just thinking about X, Y, and Z that may apply to uh, what it looks like you're doing. Yeah. Um, it, it's that kind of thing. So yeah. I could do this, you know, I can do this whether I'm adept at writing a, a full-scale article or just, you know, curating the content I'm already curating from others. Yeah, absolutely. And and I would say that if you're if you're not doing that, you know, it's one of those things where I hear people – um, say, well, I'm not, I, you know, I'm on LinkedIn, but I don't really get any value for it. Or, or frankly, any, any, you know, type of business related social media where they say, you know, I'm not seeing a return on it, but they're not doing that. You know, you really have to be active. No, no one. And I, and I would almost say that, you know, I, I don't always want to say things in absolute certainty because yeah, there's yeah. always an exception to something, but in almost, you know, 
no one is going to LinkedIn is just a digital, you know, social media is just a digital representation of, of your life and you, you know, and I think that most of us would realize that no one is going to come to your door or your office and say, here's this great opportunity. I want to give it to you, you know, and, and um, LinkedIn is waiting for that. It's not happened yet. Yeah. uh, It never happened for me. So the, uh, so, um, you know, LinkedIn is the same way. No one's going to shoot you a message and say, you know, this is particularly, yeah, they might, they might shoot you a job opportunity, but if you really want to use it as a tool to create the things you want, um, versus sort of waiting and hoping for someone to bring you something. You have to get active and you have to look at opportunities to, uh, you know, create those yourself. It's, it's, no one's going to knock on your door and no one's going to shoot you a message. You have to get out there and kind of do it. Yeah. So where are some other places that you have worked with clients or you see on LinkedIn to start or create some of these interactions? I'm, and, and here's kind of the, Here's what I'm thinking with this question, Dustin, is, you know, I, I think a lot of folks can figure out how to put up a profile and sit there and and they want to wait because they're not sure what to do next. Um, and we've talked about how to write, uh, you know, a post for Pulse. Some will, most won't. Um, I see a lot of ways to interact on LinkedIn. I don't know that I use them all. I use a couple. Um, but I'm always looking for that one that, that that's really going to be a match for my personality, you wanted to be a writer, so Pulse gives you a place to do that. Yeah. Um, LinkedIn has a lot of different places open to it. I'm thinking, just thinking out loud, and you can add to this, um, you know, groups are, are supposed to be built for those kind of interactions. Um, how do you see groups working? How's, how's that play out in real life? Um, in my opinion, and I know that I know that LinkedIn is actually de-emphasizing the group feature. I mean, they still have that, but it's, yeah. it's okay. not as prominent. The, the problem is that most of the groups I've seen, um, especially if they're an open group, they kind of have a very short life. They, they either they either you know they stay small and no one joins them, at which point their use is fairly limited or their value is fairly limited, or they get far too big. Um, and even there was a group created early on for people who were writing on LinkedIn called publishers and bloggers. And initially, you know, when it got started, it was a really good place to, um, post your articles, get feedback on them, get people talking about them, have people sharing them. And it just grew so rapidly that it it completely depersonalized it. And it has tens of thousands of people now submitting to that. So I, I think, I think groups are something, you know, LinkedIn kind of struggles with. What I would say is, um, you know, I, I really think Pulse has become kind of a big center, kind of centerpiece of LinkedIn, but that doesn't mean to get the value out of it. You need to write for it. You know, I've seen, you know, what I would say is um, look for people that are creating content or look at content that is in your, your, um, area of interest or your area of expertise. And even, you know, let's say you see an article, let's say, um, uh, you know, I have a, a good friend who has a, a lot of, um, really, uh, uh, good articles that get a fair amount of readership on social media marketing, you know, and that's, let's say that's your, your thing. You're either doing it or you want to do that, or you need to know more about that. Um, start even reading some of the content that's getting put on LinkedIn, commenting on it, you know, sharing it, 
engaging with other people uh, that are commenting and sharing. Um, in a way, that's that's what I think LinkedIn wanted to do with groups, but I just don't see that much activity on many of the group pages. Um, but I do see a lot of activity on LinkedIn. So uh, I would say that you know, kind of seek out content in your in your area of interest and start engaging with it. Start engaging with the people creating it. Start engaging with the people commenting on it. Um, you know, and then it starts to build those relationships that get you the the value out of LinkedIn. I mean, in the end, that's that's where the value comes is the, the relationship with other humans that this kind of um, piece of technology has helped facilitate. Uh, so yeah, that would be, that would be a tip and, and probably not one I think you're going to hear a lot of places. Um, now that's not to say in groups that there aren't some groups that are a good place to go, but really there's, you just, you're going to have to sort of find those and then look at the level of activity. Um, I see a, a lot more dialogue happening around some of the, some of the other features like Pulse. Yeah, I think that uh, it's a very interesting observation. I kind of came to a, a realization a day listening to somebody else's podcast um, that a lot of the things that we're seeing happen online right now in social media, we're kind of retreading social history. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, your thought there about groups being either too small or too large, you can't have a community if there's too few people nor can you have a community if there's too many people. You think yeah. about the, the Industrial Revolution and you know people coming from uh, the country into cities. They went from uh, isolation into small towns that became communities into cities where there were too many people and they became anonymous drones yeah. um, or at least anonymous. And then you know they kind of naturally redispersed out into, uh, out into smaller communities. Yeah. Um, we we are pulled as humans into this mid-sized community. I think there's a guy named Dunbar that says it's about 250 people that you can really know in your life, and it's Dunbar's number. You get you get above that, and you start entering this anonymity uh, thing, which Absolutely. happened with the groups. Um, it's just the social context that people forget because we put this layer of technology between us. But there's nothing more social that we could do, you and I, than this. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I think that's a great point, and I think it's, it it brings kind of another thing that I that I always bring up when I when I talk about this is that you know one of the things that I see um, most people fail to do on online and on LinkedIn specifically is is um, you know I think most people your average person, I, I believe they operate in their daily lives with the general sense of the golden rule of, you know, I'm going to treat others the way I want to be treated. And I'm, if someone does something nice for me, I'm going to reciprocate in kind. Um, I don't think the world could function if people, most people didn't act that way. When you get online though, you don't see people do that as much. And what I mean by that is, you know, yeah, there are some people who act like jerks and, and use, the uh, kind of the shield of the internet to say things that they would never say in their daily lives. But that's, that's not what I'm talking about here. What I'm talking about is, um, you know, if, if someone does something nice for you on LinkedIn, if, if it's a, whether it's endorsement recommendation, you know, sharing an article you wrote, you wrote, commenting on something you shared, you know, if you put some link on your company out there and you get a like for it, um, whatever it is, you know, 
I don't think there a lot of people don't tend to reciprocate that and and that goes a really long way you know again the, you know taking it away from my type of writing if you post an update featuring you know some some really you know great thing that's happened for your company or just some latest development and you get someone liking that you're probably not going to get hundreds and hundreds of people liking it but when someone does that um, take that opportunity to start a dialogue with them, even if it's just shooting them a message that says, hey, thanks for liking my stuff, and that's it. And, and um, you know, those are the ways, because, you know, even if you look at that person and say, you know, this individual probably isn't a potential customer, they probably aren't a potential future boss, uh, you don't know who's kind of behind their wall. You know, you don't know, I mean, that's the whole point of all this, you know, that's why when people um, say, ask me, do you accept connection requests from people you don't know? And my answer is absolutely. Um, because to me, I believe, you know, the, the opportunities I don't know about currently come from people I don't know, you know, and, and so when you get people interacting, reach out and shoot them a thank you. And, um, you know, then you get to be on their radar. Then you, then you're no longer an anonymous, you know, you start becoming no longer an anonymous person on a social network to an actual human that they will consider when they might have an opportunity to fit you or they hear something about it. Or, you know, I mean, it's just, it's just take that time to do that and it will absolutely pay off. The, I never thought of this before, but do you accept a connection request from people you don't know? If you kind of put that, into the in real life analogy when you go to a a large networking event which linkedin is do you accept handshakes from people you don't know yeah i, I mean absolutely it would be crazy to go at all if that was right. the case. exactly <laughs> so yeah um yeah the, the opportunities you don't know come from people you don't know yeah all right a couple of questions for you to to wrap this up we're running out of time here what is your what is your favorite business book dustin my favorite business book. Um, well, that's a what 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 I will say is this: I, there are a lot of business books I like, and a lot of writers that I particularly like. I I like Michael Lewis's books. He wrote uh, Moneyball. He wrote The Big Short. I think he does a really good job of taking um, uh, complex. Uh, uh, scenarios or complex events and making them entertaining and readable. And that's how I, I'm not the type of um, reader. I don't really like the kind of books that are like, you know, do these five things or these, I kind of tend to learn better from reading about the experience other people have. Um, so I like that. And then, you know, I, I would say also for people who, um, you know, one of the things I think that gets under, uh, underutilized is actually uh, fiction books um, as a as a tool to, you know, read a, throw a little bit of fiction into your business books as well. Every now and again, you know, the techniques used in fiction will help you be a better writer. Again, even if you never plan on being a blogger, if you just communicate via email, if you write a memo, if you write a report, um, you know, everybody could use to be a little better writer. So mix in a little fiction with the nonfiction. Um, but in general, uh, you know, I would advise everyone to read as much as you can. Um, and so I'll put you on the spot about the fiction book. What, uh, I, maybe not your favorite fiction book, but what, what would you recommend? 
Uh, actually, I do have a favorite fiction book. It's it's a book called The Miracle Life of Edgar Mint. I probably read it. I don't even know how many times. It's about a young boy kind of in the West in in Arizona, actually in northern Arizona, southern Utah, where I come from. Um, and he's a uh, Native American. And it's just about the obstacles he goes through in his life as he grows up and, and gets older. Really hilarious, touching, awesome book, great writer. Um, and I love that book. So, yeah, that's my easy to name a favorite uh, fiction book, a little harder to name a, a nonfiction book because not because they're, they aren't really good ones. I just, they just tend to kind of, you know, the lessons stick with you more than necessarily the story I found in nonfiction. So, yeah, I agree. So one more question, what piece of tangible, actionable advice would you pass along to this group of listeners? And let me remind you, the listeners here, we are a, a group of, by and large, ambitious corporate professionals um, trying to climb the ladder, learn something new, grow every day, really achieve and overachieve our, our on our objectives. Um, so it's a pretty broad ranging group in a variety of different departments. So it's a, a kind of open question for what one piece of advice would you give to a crew like that, that they can put into action tomorrow or today to change, change their career for the better? I would say that, that, you know, really, and this sounds cliche and they probably heard it before, but I know that I kind of lived it where, um, you know, up until a couple of years ago, my really main focus regarding my career growth was on from investing in other people versus investing in myself. And I'll end it with a quick concrete example. Uh, you know, I could uh, go out and invest money in another certification, another degree, another something like that. And it would look really good on my resume or really good on my profile. Uh, before this call, I actually um, was talking with a really, really great potential client, uh, giving him some tips on some things he's doing and you know, that kind of will hopefully help him be better at something he's trying to accomplish. That conversation, the path of that conversation has more often than not ended up in the last couple of years in me having some type of, of client relationship with somebody. It begins with, you know, giving them the information I can give them to help them be successful. I, there isn't anything I could have on paper regarding my own personal qualifications that would like make me any more of an attractive potential business partner for this person. By taking, you know, a half an hour out of my day and giving them some advice and help on something they're trying to accomplish, I know there's a pretty good chance this will happen. Um, so that would be my tip. That's a, I, I have long answers, but the return you'll get on investing in others will almost always exceed the return you'll get on investing in yourselves. And I think anyone can do that, regardless of whether you're an entrepreneur, regardless of whether you work in a big company, small company, um, you help others succeed and, and you know, they'll usually want to help you succeed. Beautiful tip. Thank you so much. Thank you. I appreciate you having me. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Hardway MBA. Look us up on Twitter at Hardway MBA. Our website's hardwaymba.com. Facebook, LinkedIn, we've got groups everywhere. If you don't guess we should be talking to, please make an introduction. Nothing says thank you to me like referring this podcast to your friends. Drop a link to them. Let them know they should listen. Thank you so much. At Hardway MBA, our website's hardwaymba.com. 
Facebook, LinkedIn, we've got groups everywhere. If you don't guess we should be talking to, please make an introduction. Nothing says thank you to me like referring this podcast to your friends. Drop a link to them. Let them know they should listen. Thank you so much.